Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Three, two, one. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Duke Podcast. We are here sponsored by Bet Online. I want to say that I'm Sheldon Williams, your host, and you have your co-host, Steve Wiseman. What's going on? Hey, Sheldon. Uh, good to be with you again after the holidays and uh, after Thanksgiving anyway. We got more holidays coming up here, but um, good to see you. And uh, uh, good, uh, we got a lot to talk about here about Duke. They're eight games into the season and uh, had a big win over Gonzaga and then uh, a setback at Ohio State. So um, lots to discuss over the eight games. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, it was, uh, what, I want to say Citadel – um, they played Citadel, then Gonzaga, and then Ohio yep. State. Um, and then they got a nice little break before they start playing again before Christmas break. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, they've, they've shown some really strong play, I think, overall. I think, I know, obviously, the Ohio State game, we're going to get into that. Talk mm-hmm. about what happened in the second half of that game after having a 15-point lead. 11 points with seven minutes to go. <laughs> seven points with five minutes to go. And yeah. still couldn't hang on. That's very rare for Duke, as we'll talk mm-hmm. about. But um, that doesn't take away from what the team's accomplished over eight games and, and going seven and one to reach number one in the country, which they're going to fall out when the new rankings come out. But, um, you know, the win over Gonzaga, the win over Kentucky shows that this team can play at the highest level of any team in the country. Obviously, there's things to fix. You know, they're not perfect. Um, men, not machines, right? So uh, they... They lost to Ohio State, but um, that, that's my takeaway is they're a very strong defensive team. Um, they have a lot of weapons on offense. They, they're very good in transition. Half court might need a little work. Um, what, what were your thoughts after, especially the Ohio State game, right? Yeah, I mean, you already kind of said it with the Kentucky and then uh, the Gonzaga game. You got this team we know can play at a high level against some of the best teams in the country. We've seen that. we also seen that we have freshmen and younger players on the team as well. So a lot of times the consistency may not be where we want to be as fans, um, like a, a past Duke veteran team type thing where they've been through wars, they've been through adversity, they've been through, you know, different types of close games and being able to actually, you know, come out even stronger on the other end of it. This team right here has to learn how to take this, um, this small bump in the road and learn from it. Like you said, they was up 15 in the second half. They was up seven with five minutes to go, and then just kept dwindling down, dwindling down. But my thing is, one one telltale thing for me was watching this team, we were settling for a lot of tough jump shots when the going was tough. And that's something that we can't do, especially when we're not built like that as of right now. It could, be, it could change later on. Um, hopefully with kills, uh, shooting gets better. Um, not being as slumpy as he is right now. But if we can sit here and attack the basket and then convert on these attacking the basket drives, we become a better team. There's a different outcome for that Ohio State game especially. But we are more so just kind of settling for these tough jump shots instead of making the the referees call something um, by converting on these tough you know, drives. Right. And I think and we'll get into this a lot more as this episode goes on. But, yeah, the um, – uh, seemed like in the first half at Ohio State, and you saw this too since we were there, they, they did a lot of driving to the back. They got into the lanes um, and scored. That's how they got the 15-point lead. But then the second half, 
they weren't able to do that. You're right. They settled for half court in the half court, a lot more jumpers couldn't get the transition game going. And I know that's something that the staff is, is concerned about and that they're working on during this break um, between the next games to 14th of, of December is the half court offense in particular has to get better if they're going to reach their potential. So um, yeah, that was a good point you, you made about that. And, you know, Paulo uh, Ben Carroll hit some jumpers in, against Gonzaga in the first half, you know, before he had the cramping issues and that, um, that worked out really well, but it takes obviously more than just him, right? Obviously, yeah. But that first half that he put on, <laughs> that guy right there, I was like, oh, yeah, he's showing everybody why he should be <laughs> over Chet. And I was like, hey, he's making a strong case. And this this whole cramping thing, I'm not understanding what's going on with this. I know the Duke doctors got him on this special drink now. I think it's called a BOA, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, having him drinking this and he's losing what seven, I heard seven pounds a game every time he plays. And yeah, he got a special, you know, way he has to eat different foods, uh, special foods he had to eat, um, special drinks throughout the day. And then also uh, that drink, the VOA drink for the uh, the games and everything. It just, it's something that's kind of baffling to me because I was like, all right, well, maybe the first time it's like, you no, know, a fluke because, you know, you and I, maybe a more warm arena. And that's why he's not able to do that. And then it happened again. I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on? Like, and he said uh, himself that he never had this issue, um, not none through high school and everything like that. And now all of a sudden he's having yeah. issues now. Yeah. So it's definitely something they're going to be working on. That's for sure. And yeah, I mean, you got, you got great, um, you know, medical staff and nutritionists and all that stuff. So they'll get to the bottom of it for sure. And uh, before we go on any further, I want to mention our, our sponsor again, Believe. Uh, and Bet Online, um, uh, Bet Online is our uh, overall sponsor of our Believe in Duke podcast. Uh, Bet Online is back and better than ever—a new web interface for the rest of the NBA season, and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code. Believe 50, that's B-L-E-A-V 50, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. I have to say, having um, been in Vegas uh, last week for the game against Gonzaga, um, hanging out on Friday, waiting for that late game to start. Walked by, you know, just happened to cruise by a couple of sports books in my in my uh, uh, journeys that day, and saw a Duke getting nine points. And I thought, man, that's a big number. <laughs> <laughs> I don't bet. I can't, you know. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. I don't bet on game as games I cover. I don't do that. I don't get into that at all. But um, but yeah, that number jumped out at me. So I guess um, let's talk about the Gonzaga game. Let's talk about what we what we saw that night. We're going to talk. We'll get in depth in Ohio State too. But Gonzaga, you talked about Paulo Bancaro and what he showed mm-hmm. in the first half. Right. And um, I think as importantly is what the team showed in the second half when he wasn't available um, mm-hmm. to, to overcome that. What What did you think about about that night? Yeah, um, that right there. I thought the team took a, a big step going forward as a, a team that they're going to become. I mean, especially like well, Wendell Moore how he played uh, in that game, uh, especially stepping up when Paolo was kind of going back and forth. Um, honestly, it was it was exciting to watch just because the game started off with 
you know, Mark Williams making a big block. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, um, all these different, you know, different uh, defensive plays, you know, Mark Williams having five blocks in the first half and then mm -hmm. just running the floor uh, for dunks. And then all of a sudden, uh, Duke defense putting pressure on the Zags, making them play the game that they wanted to play, not the Gonzaga game. And I thought that was so, so interesting because Gonzaga is a team that's very well oiled machine. Like they have great players that play and know how to play with each other, especially, you know, Drew Timmy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a veteran guy on that team that, you know, he's going to be the leader of that team and just watching them because we know that they all play well together, they play, and especially with um, uh, how Timmy and Chet play uh, back, and, you know, back and forth with the interior big passing and yes. things like that. And then all of a sudden, we got their bigs in foul trouble. And it's like, okay, well, you know, it works in our favor right now. Like, you know, what's going on? Like, uh, can we, can we uh, go ahead and push his lead? And then especially Apollo being out, like, can we go ahead and push his lead and get a little bit more comfortable? But like I said, they're number one for a reason. And yeah. they showed that it came back and it played well. Um, it, it was honestly, even though Trevor didn't play, I'm sorry, he didn't shoot the ball the way he wanted to shoot. Mm -hmm. He still played really good defense. And then, you know, the team had like, I think 11 steals that game or something like that, whatever. Yeah. And it was just, honestly, it was the first time that they were held underneath 90 and that gives credit to Duke's defense. And like I said, it was just a special, special thing to watch, watch. For sure. And I know yeah. that, um, coming into the game, having, uh, talked to the assistants, I know, Chris Carwell had the scout on that game and, and they were really worried about Drew Timmy uh, even more than Holmgren because he's the veteran guy and the way they, yes. they share the ball so well and get open shots for everybody. And so they decided to put Paulo on Holmgren and have Mark Williams and Theo John kind of tag team on Timmy. And that way you had 10 fouls to give up, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to alternate those guys anyway. And, and it's turned out, Homer got in foul trouble. Timmy got in foul trouble. So they didn't have to do that as much, but that that's what caused that. I think was, was that action? Yeah. I mean, I didn't think about that. That's actually a really good point. Um, I knew that Paulo was going to accept the challenge against Chet, you know, just yeah. you know, in high school and everything. They're going back and forth, like who's better, you know, yeah. that type thing. So I know coming in, obviously we all know because where he played in the first half, he was ready for this game. Like, you know, he was <laughs> amped up, rolled up his sleeves type thing. Yeah. Like, Paulo's like, hey, I'm here to show the world. Yeah. This is who I am. And then it's going to be no comparison type thing. That's how <laughs> he kind of approached that game. And unfortunately, he couldn't uh, do the same thing in the second half because of the cramps and everything. But we saw that. He was like, oh, yes, this guy right here, he, he, he's, he's a top two pick right there. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I saw, uh, I forget where the assessment of him I saw was, but it was like he's, he's Carmelo. But a but a bigger Carmelo, right? He's 6'10, 250. Carmelo was right, 6'7. Right. Neither, but because the way he can, you know, take the open set shot, you know, uh step back, step back shots, three-pointers in transition. He showed that all against Gonzaga in the first half, like the whole two box was on was on display. Right. And that's got to get people excited about, you know, what he can do the rest of the season for Duke as he gets better. And we think this cramping stuff can get under control. That's the hope. And I'm I have confidence that they will get it under control. And um, and what this team can do, right? Right, right, absolutely. I mean, that is a good comparison. Although I think Melo shoots the ball better than Paulo, uh -huh. but him being the kind of similar size, and then both of them kind of handle the ball the way they do, and love the ISO extended mid range, you know, type area. That's a very good uh, comparison. I never thought about that, um, just because I didn't think you know they're shooting compared like that. But mm -hmm. in, in other aspects, I can see that across the board. 
And maybe, you know, if Paulo's only 18, his shooting can maybe get better, you know, obviously as time goes on. It reminds me of um, throwback quick to Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is obviously was a good he's a, he's a better shooter now than he was at Duke, right? But but right, he had right. it there. We saw a little a little spurts at Duke, and then you know he got better in in, in high the pros. And I think uh, I can see Bancaro developing that too, right? I think he'll be he'll be yeah, pretty I good. I mean, uh, once they become pros, they have a lot more time to spend hone in on their craft, which is why you see a lot of more players getting better at shooting or wherever it is that they try to get better at. So I can see that happening for Apollo once he gets to the next level. Um, yeah. I just hope that happens a little bit sooner here with us at Duke. <laughs> yeah, so does Coach K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I'm a little biased, but, you know, hey. Yeah, uh, yeah I want to see right. him do well. I want to see him do well and everything. But, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's something that's going to happen uh, when you get to the next level. Anyway, just does, you know, they spend more time and really hone in on what they need to do um, versus, you know, being in college. And let's not forget, this is the Believe in Duke podcast, right? Not the Believe in NBA podcast. Correct. Yes. We're talking believe about. Yes. Yes. Correct. Correct. <laughs> We're talking hey, about hey, what they're what they're still believing when, when they leave and everything, but we really believe in what they got going on at Duke. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I, I do want to mention again the defense that you brought up in particular, which was a great point that um, particularly on the perimeter, the perimeter defense that that got uh, they got back, you know. Hardly anybody, Gonzaga is so good in transition. And it was so important for Duke to, to their transition defense to slow that down um, as much as possible. Obviously, they're going to have some breakouts, but um, get them into a half court game. And, and that starts with, you know, Keels and, and Jeremy Roach and Wendell, uh, uh, you know, getting out there and slowing them down and then staying on the ball and forcing all those steals. And uh, again, uh, we've talked about it before, but that aspect of this team, is going to play all the way through the season. It's even the Ohio state loss. They only give up 71 points down. That's, that's a loss, but the defense was still there. Right. Right. And um, lately they haven't taken care of the ball a lot better than previous in the start of the season. I mean, I think they had like eight turnovers against uh, Gonzaga. Yeah. And then it was like seven turnovers against uh, Ohio State, but and three against the Citadel, which lesser team, but still three turnovers. Right, right, right. So they, they're yeah. doing a better, a better job of doing that. So they're not taking a lot of risky plays um, like they were doing early on. I get it too, because they're still trying to learn each other and trying to find that that rhythm, that chemistry. So I, I get it, but they're doing a better job of doing that. It's just now that we're trying to have the ball taken already taken care of. Mix that in with some shooting consistently shooting uh, the ball better with our great defense we got going on and all of a sudden we have a whole package and not just know this game we have one aspect going but the other aspect not going right exactly and um before we get into uh, breaking down the Ohio State loss even more I do want to say that we have a new sponsor to, uh for this week's um uh, this month actually as we, in December uh uh Lightbox is is uh is joined on to help sponsor us Sheldon's going to tell you a little bit about that yeah. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Life box lab grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using edge, cutting edge technology and innovative techniques, they craft the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in the lab. Because of the process, they can create stones in blush pink, beautiful blue, as well as classic white. 
Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift that never want to be taken off. Price so they won't have to. They will really make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamond, never a dull moment. And yeah, now it's the holidays and you you were uh, spending time with your your fiance's family in Ohio, right? Over Thanksgiving? Yeah, so I was... uh, I was in uh, Columbus. Uh, so the day of the game, uh, I went to this place called uh, Thurman Thurman Cafe or something like that. But uh, during the NBA lockout, I, w- I became a big fan of this this thing called um, Man versus Food. Okay. And obviously, I was a lot younger then, so my stomach and body just took a little, a little bit more than I can take now <laughs> and everything. So, <laughs> but this uh, this burger, it was three and a half pounds of meat. And it was a challenge and everything. And literally, I want to say probably about the size of my head from Ooh. bun to bun. And I took that thing down in about seven and a half, eight minutes. Woo. And uh, I was like, hey, what's going on? Where's my t-shirt at? He's like, yeah, we stopped doing that. I said, what? I did all that for no reason? Like, Come on, man. I'm like, please let me sign the wall or something. Like, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> later on uh, that, that night, I paid for it. I paid for it. Oh, no. <laughs> It was a rough night for you and for the Blue Devils. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> man, well, that, that, it was you a T-shirt. Come on, man. Yeah, exactly, right? I, like, I know. A record time, like three and a half pounds of yeah. seven minutes. Day. Come on. Dude, you killed it. That's great work. Right, right. <laughs> you didn't run out of gas in the second half of eating nope, that. Nope. Unfortunately, the Blue Devils did run out of gas yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, down the stretch of their challenge in the ACC big 10 challenge, but uh, yeah, um, not, you know, not a good night in the second half, especially uh, they played so well in the first half. And we talked earlier about uh, the offense and um, I, you know, it, I think they need to work better at, I mean, they, they've been a decent team sharing the ball in transition, but maybe not so much in the half court. Did you notice that too, that maybe you said they're selling for jump shots. I think maybe that's the big key here, right? Yeah, um, especially I started, started noticing a little bit more so in that Ohio State game. I know there's going to be a situation where you have your star player, you know, getting ISO um, calls. I, I get that. But it just seemed like when things were kind of being back against the wall, so to speak, and we were still doing those type of ISO plays or just made, uh, making one-on-one moves, trying to do a tough shot, it was like it didn't seem like we knew exactly what we tried to do, but everybody's trying to be like, no, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it myself. And I get that. But also, we can get a better shot than that. Like, there's something we were doing. And credit to uh, Ohio State's defense. Like, they played really good defense down the stretch. So, credit to what they got going on, too. Yeah. But we saw what we could do, especially in that first half, attacking the basket. And then all of a sudden, kind of stop converting on these attacks during the second half, especially down the stretch. And I will say... How great Mark has been playing, I've been a big supporter of this guy. Mm-hmm. But for me, I hate the fact that he likes to wait until the guy catches the ball to play defense. That's the one thing I don't like about Yes, he's a good shot blocker. I just wish that he would make it hard for the bigs to catch the ball. Granted, there's going to be some, some bigs that are actually going to be where you're going to play in the back because they know how to seal you and get behind you, you know, make sure that, you know, you can't get around them. 
But right. to be settled for that person, then he getting uh, what's the, the guy's name? Zed. Uh, yeah. Zed. Yeah. 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 Zed yeah. 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 This guy had a career high night, twenty points, and yeah. if you watch him, he was just running to the middle of the lane, about two feet away from the basket, and had Mark sealed. And he's a big guy too. Like and right. he's going to going to his chest and then kind of shooting over him. He had Mark's going to block a couple of them, but for him to not be able to make it hard for him to even catch the ball. And all of a sudden, the guy's pushed out. Now try to make that same move five, six feet away. Right. It's not hard against a good shot blocker. But if you're going to let the guy be two feet away, any decent guy who's that big and that strong is going to be able to be a factor. That's the only thing I didn't like about that. So kind of a side rant, sorry. But no, no, that's okay. That's great insight. That's, I mean, you know that way, way better than, than a lot of people do. So, yeah, I mean, he was – he was catching the ball deep, wasn't he? It wasn't, it was almost in the restricted area when he got it, which is right, almost, you right. know, and I wonder if, you know, that, and this was the night where remember Duke had 23 fouls season high in fouls in the game. And um, I know Paulo got three in the first half. And so he was kind of timid in the second half. He's not used to playing in foul trouble. He's got to learn how to do that. You know, Mark, uh, Theo ended up fouling out. Right. And uh, right. Theo John and Mark had had four fouls too. So um, that really seemed to impact them. Uh, defensively uh, in the second half where they were a little more passive. And I wonder if that's what you're talking about. Like maybe Mark was afraid to get a reach over trying to you know deny the ball. I don't know. It's tough to, to play in foul trouble. And, you know, how is that for you? I mean, what's your insight on that, but, you know, playing in foul trouble still being okay defensively. Right. No, I, I get the foul trouble part. That's something that I get. Like uh, you have to play a different way where now all of a sudden you won't be as risky on um, certain because of plays. But this was from the get-go. Like the guy starts scoring the ball. Uh, yeah. one, of the, one of the very first plays of the game, he runs down the middle, hits him with a uh, shoulder, um, and then there's a little hook over him. And the second time, I think Mark blocked it. But then after that, it was like more so just him just battling underneath the basket. He's already there. That's yeah. my thing. Like, yes, it's going to change once you become in uh, foul trouble, when you get in foul trouble. But to start the game, you putting your onus on that other person right away. Like, hey, I'm going to make it tough for you all night long. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, things may change where he might get tired. He might he doesn't want to battle anymore. He, he looking over his shoulder to see where you're at. Like, those things that kind of play into your mind when you uh, guard a guy who's going to be a, a load down in the, in the, in the paint. So mm-hmm. for him to sit there and just be that tall guy and just sit behind him, and waiting for him to make a move, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't, I just don't like the fact that he's letting him dictate what's going to happen. Right. Versus Mark dictating that for him. And then all of a sudden, it's a different game. And he won't and, have that 20-point career high that he had. Exactly. That's a, That was a big, big difference in the game for sure. Um, and we've seen Mark in some games, like he's had five or six blocks, he's really asserted himself and made a difference, made other teams timid and um, be- because they're afraid they're their shot blocked. And you're right. I do remember that sequence you're talking about where, where key scored a hook shot early the next time Mark, I mean, he's, I mean, it was on top of, that was a great block, right? Spiked it. Spiked spiked it. it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Spiked it. And then, but then to his credit, he came back and did wasn't intimidated. And so Mark, I think you're right. He needed to find that, that next level. Like, okay. This is going to be on all night. I'm not going to make him scared with the first block. It's going to take more than that. And um, that's going to be a big key to, 
no pun intended there, said Keith, for Duke to be better the whole season, right? I mean, right, that's right. what we talk about was like Mark Williams and Theo John are their, the backstop. Uh, you know, if, if something happens out front and somebody gets through, they've got to stop it up there. And so let's hope this is a, a you know, a good lesson learned. Yeah, I am hope so. I hope so, too. And then as well as uh, like Theo John, he likes to be physical and sometimes a little bit too much. And I'm like, yeah, we get it. We know you're a strong guy and everything. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah. get it. But you don't have to make your, your presence felt on every single play and everything. So uh, a lot of times where he's making that, like he, he pushed Zed Key out a few times. And then all of a sudden Zed Key goes up and he kind of goes underneath him with his chest trying to make it, you know, I guess harder. To, for him to shoot over instead mm-hmm. of just kind of being straight up and try to make a, you know, elongate his arms and everything and make sure that he's kind of, you know, altering or deterring the shot and everything. But I just wish that for him, he does a little bit more what Mark does and Mark does a little bit more what he does. <laughs> yeah. Like that makes any sense. <laughs> sure, it does. Frankenstein, man, tie, tie them together, right? Make one right. guy. But uh, yeah, definitely. And one other aspect of this game I want to talk about with you in particular, because you'll have mm-hmm. this insight is coach K talked about, this was the end of the inner energy cycle. Like they played eight games over 22 days. They played in Vegas, won that big game and had to hit the road again to play Ohio state. And um, now they they have this break. So they knew a break was coming. And I think it takes maturity. It seems to me like, to know, okay, we still we got still got to empty the tank on this game before we get this break. Instead of, I'm not saying they let up, but he's thinking they just got they got kind of worn out in the second half. And and you've been through these stretches with Duke and playing for him in, in the NBA too. What is that like for a team when you know a break's coming, but you still got to give that max effort for one more game to get that win? Yeah, I mean a game like that, especially playing against a Big Ten uh, team, it's going to be like a grind out basketball type game where you just got to will it. Like, that's bottom line. You just got to will what's going to happen. And there's going to be days where, hey, your leg's not underneath you, so your shot's not falling like you want, like you want it to. Um, I'm driving to the hole, and I'm not, you know, finishing like I want to. So now I got to sit here back to the basket, the old school basketball. You know, I know it's not, you know, something that's not a thing right now, but like old school basketball where, you know, you post up, back to the basket, you're trying to score, um, getting easy layups like that, and all of a sudden you start seeing the ball go in, and then things are coming a little bit easier. Or just go ahead and just do like a, a motion offense where just guys just cutting, and then hopefully, like, you know, they break down the defense, and all of a sudden you get an easy layup here and there. Those type of things kind of help out versus, like, you trying to really ISO in a mid-range um, area or you trying to come down and shoot a quick shot type thing, trying to hurry up and, uh, before the defense gets set. And all of a sudden, when you start doing that and the ball doesn't go in, things become harder versus like kind of, hey, I'm going to work this shot clock. We're going to make them play defense, make them get tired, and they're going to work for their basket on the other end because they played, you know, all the seconds uh, for defense. Right, right. And, you know, I we did see a little bit of motion in the second half. I know Coach K threw it out there, and they were, you know, they were weaving at the top and trying to get, get, that, get that going. Maybe that's something they'll work about, work on more, uh, implementing more of that uh, in this break. Because I know that uh, uh, talking with Coach Carowell the other night at the, the, Duke, Duke, the Duke radio show they had on Wednesday after the game, he did mention that that is something they were going to work on with a lot was half-court offense for sure. And I think that's, that's like the main – they feel really good about their defense. They feel great about their transition game, offense and defense. 
it's the half court offense that I think is going to set this team apart to whether they can, you know, win the ACC, go to the final four, win it all. Um, I still think even with the loss to Ohio state that Duke has the weapons to do all those things. I really believe that they'll, um, they'll get, you know, the half court working better because look at what Wendell Moore is doing right now. Like we're talking about Paulo and Mark Williams and all that, and they're playing great. Wendell Moore is playing like one of the top five players in the country right now. And I don't think any of us saw that coming into the season, right? Right. I mean, uh, I saw the other day where he went from averaging nine points to like 18 points uh, this year. Yeah. And, which is crazy. Cause like, I was like, um, I didn't expect this big of a jump for him. I knew he was going to be the leader of the team uh, with him being a veteran guy, but I didn't expect this big of a jump. And I know they said he worked with him in the off season where he had his toes kind of pointed out and they kind of um, restructured the way he ran and walked. Yeah. And yeah. he's a lot more athletic. And yeah. you, can see, you can see that, like where he, the drives he was doing, where he's over here getting past somebody and dunking on him. Uh, yeah. He had a, you know, he had a, he had a drive like that in uh, Ohio State. He had a drive like that in um, Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can see it has been working out for him. I just didn't know that that big of a jump was going to happen with a guy like this, you know, from his sophomore year to the junior year. But he's been great. Um, like you said, he's playing like a, a top five guy. And he is a guy that, you know, I think he wound up being a, the MVP of that uh, the design game, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yep. a guy that he's really changing the way he plays. And now all of a sudden, he's putting himself in that same category as some of these top guys in NCAA. No doubt. I mean, and if he came out, I think he would be a first-round pick. I'm not saying a lottery pick by any stretch. But, but I think, I mean, and coming into the season – that wasn't even a possibility. I mean, he was looking, you know, second round or free agent if he came out and he's at this point elevated his game a great deal. And that, that gets us to the bigger question here as we, as we get ready to wrap up this episode of, you know, looking forward to the rest of the season, right? We know what we've seen in the first eight games, two big wins, a setback at Ohio state, but there's still, you know, when the new rankings come out, Duke will still be in the top five. And I think heading into ACC play, they have, well, they have three non-conference games yet. They have um, Appalachian and, um, Cleveland State, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. Uh, South Carolina State. Okay, those are the next three. Before yeah, ACC, ACC play starts. VTech, right? VTech is the first ex, uh, ACC game. Yeah, yeah. The first three I mentioned are non-conference. I was trying to get that straight in my head. But, yeah, so uh, Virginia Tech, uh, before Christmas, that's the first ACC game. And then uh, and then it's all ACC the rest of the season. So, But I think that uh, Duke fans are wanting, obviously – Coach K to go out with with championships this year, hanging some banners. And my belief is right now that they 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 certainly have the tools to do that. I think. I think that again, the transition defense, the half court defense, just work on that offense a little bit, and we'll, we'll have it going. You, do you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, I know that this is going to be a team that still needs to find a way to be consistent throughout the year. But after watching that Gonzaga game. I wouldn't be surprised we saw that as a finals type game. Yeah. Like I, I can see both those teams, if they're on the opposite sides of brackets, making it and being in the finals type game, if everybody's healthy as well, too. You know, that's a big part as well. Of course. But, uh, I really do believe that. Uh, I know that this team is very well coached, obviously. Um, Coach K is trying to do something that hasn't been done since uh, what wouldn't retire, where he won, he won it right before he, yep. you know, he retires and everything. Yep. So for having this, you know, last year to be a special year and everything, I think that's something that's on their minds as a 
18, 19, 20-year-old kid and everything and want to do it for you know, Coach K and have it you know, be the last hurrah type thing and everything. But um, I, can, I can definitely see that this can be a team that can be able to be in that position once March Madness starts up. Right, definitely. And uh, I have to say that atmosphere in Vegas was tremendous for that game. Uh, I was, bet. I bet. <laughs> it, it was like they said it was a record, right? The record. It was. Uh, yeah. Amount of uh, people attending yep. the game. Yeah. Yep. Largest crowd in the, uh, for any basketball game in the history of Nevada. Which, as Coach K, he 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 referenced Tark. He goes, "All that Tark did here." I said, "I can't believe it." Well, they got this huge arena now. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but definitely, it was over twenty thousand people, and it was. I'd say 60-40 Duke. I was a little – I mean, you know, Duke has fans everywhere. Don't get me wrong. Right, right. And um, people think, oh, it was on the West Coast, so Gonzaga will have more, more fans. But as Mark Few said, Gonzaga's campus is still like over 1,000 miles from Las Vegas. It's not like it's across the street. I mean, it's the West Coast, as you know. But it's a big part of the country, man. So <laughs> – You know, it, it definitely is. But it kind of gives a, a testament to our fan base of how we travel everywhere. Yes. You know, so it's a big testament to our fan base you now, always showing us love where we play at because we don't come out west very often anyway. Right. So when that happens, actually does happen, it's great to see, like, you know, our fans are still going to go. I mean, it doesn't hurt to be in Vegas either. So that's right. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's great to see our fans go out there and travel and be able to support us and everything because it's great to actually be on the court. And you look up, you see a, a seat full of blue, um, yeah. just kind of cheering you on. Yeah, and they and they got loud when Duke needed a defensive stop, and I mean it was really. And then Gonzaga's fans shot right back. I mean they, that's what I mean. The atmosphere was back and forth. Back and forth it really yeah. felt. Yeah, it felt like an NCAA tournament game and a Final Four game. So I'm looking forward to that as the season goes on, and, and um, that'll uh, we will definitely be here on the podcast on a regular basis to update people all season long. You can find my work. Uh, I work for the Raleigh News and Observer, uh, NewsObserver.com. Uh, all my coverage of the team uh, throughout the year. Um, Sheldon, it's great to have you. Uh, great to be with you again and uh, and uh, uh, for another episode and uh, lots to talk about. We can't wait to have the next one. Yeah, yeah. It's always great catching up with you. Um, we have three more games after this break for Duke and then go right into ACC play and then Christmas break. So um, ho- hoping that uh, the team uh, has a good chance of just kind of relaxing and flushing that out and then picking up, you know, where they left off at, I guess, Gonzaga and go from there. But like I say, it's always great talking to you about good basketball and uh, everything else too. So I just want to make sure that uh, everybody else who's listening uh, continue to support us and uh, continue to listen to our podcast. We have more uh, content coming. Okay. Thanks a lot, Sheldon. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.